Hello everyone, it's Kira, Kate, and Mags, and welcome back to our podcast Lotus, where we discuss everything from periods to uteruses to ovaries and anything related to women pluses reproductive health. Um, To give a few updates on Lotus, we are in the process of finalizing our MVP, and we've also added a new advisor, Gail Gannon, who we're super excited about um, to have as an addition to our team. Yeah, a um, lot of good stuff recently, for sure. Yeah, super And hopefully exciting. the MVP will be out in the next few weeks to months. Hopefully, Can't wait to tell you all about it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll provide more updates later, but... Have everyone test it out. <laughs> good things on the horizon, definitely. Absolutely. And as we've been doing, we want to start off with a fact at the beginning of the episode related to what we're going to discuss. Um, so for the fact this week... We will be letting you guys know that um, Menstrual Hygiene Awareness Day is actually during the month of May. Um, And to be honest, we were supposed to film this in May, but (laughs) (laughs) we still wanted to include that back. (laughs) We are a month late. Yes. (laughs) Travels, but we're here now recording. Um, But the day was created to normalize uh, action of menstruation and the importance of access to hygiene during this time. Um, And an interesting aspect of that is that the reason why May 28th was chosen was because May is the fifth month of the year and most women average having their period for five days and their cycle tends to be at 28 days. Yeah. Wait, that's so... (laughs) That's kind of smart. (laughs) I know. It's like very symbolic. Um, And the day just ensures that awareness is increased regarding access to menstrual hygiene um, for women across the world and... As we all know, um, mental hygiene and access to that is a basic human right that women worldwide mm-hmm. should have the right to have materials to collect blood during this time. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to plug that day before we hop into the episode. That's, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I love that, too. I'm not going to forget next year. <laughs> right? And as a quick little interjection, something that I was thinking about recently is that it's kind of crazy that in public places you have to pay like 25 cents for a tampon or a pad where it's like obviously toilet paper is free because that's every like something that everyone needs but yeah maybe like if men don't need tampons like women have to pay for it like that's half the population exactly. doesn't need you it so that <laughs> means it shouldn't be available to everyone is <laughs> pretty much that's crazy anyways so thank you may 28th for trying no. to diminish the cost of that for women that's so true and also like i mean even most places like the quality of the pads and the tampons that you are spending you know whatever 25 to 50 cents on is not the same that a lot of people get normally yeah so that could be like a whole nother episode (laughs) literally yeah and also like the tampon tax is something i was looking into recently because i think it was they got rid of it in a few states and there was like a lot of advocacy with Nadia's company period um that's like sort of what they're focused on so it's so sad there's all these like extra hidden costs for women for like a basic human right I mean we probably spend what if I'm buying like one box of tampons maybe a month Mm -hmm. how much is that like ten dollars at least some of them are expensive times 12 Yeah, yeah and then you know it's like obviously and this is such a great thing there are so many companies that are trying to you know, go in the right direction and create more sustainable options to mm-hmm. have more like, I don't know, pH friendly or, you know, mm-hmm. better for your body types of tampons. But those are just even more expensive than like the regular Tampex ones. So mm-hmm. you end up spending like, I don't know, probably 10 to $20 a month 
mm-hmm. for your period. I mean, obviously, it depends on the person, but that's a whole lot of money per year. Literally. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. So well, that's a great, Anyways. <laughs> great little fact, and I think this will really lead us well into our topic for this week, which is all about our lovely, lovely, lovely co-founder, Miss Kira. Uh, so she's going to spend a few minutes just kind of talking about her story, and we're just going to have a conversation regarding everything that's really brought her here today. So we're super excited, so Kira, and thank you so much for doing this. I think your story and just everything, you know, that you have to say will totally resonate with a lot of people. Thanks. Yeah. So as Kate said, I feel like this sort of ties nicely into what I'll be talking about today, which is just revealing my own journey with reproductive health and how, how I've grappled with it over the years. Um, and honestly, I haven't really talked to too many people about this. Um, and it wasn't until I met Mags and Kate that I became a lot more open and comfortable discussing it, which I feel like is a real testament to the power of what we're trying to create with Lotus. So super excited. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I think all of us like, totally. I don't know, that has, you know, that means a lot to all of us. So yeah. And I'm hoping just through that revealing my story, it'll help inspire others to realize that they're not alone in their struggles. Cause as Kate said, I feel like this, this will resonate with a lot of people, especially women who, cause a lot of my struggles relate to like, uh, being active in sports and things like that, so I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of women plus who are in a similar boat will will feel the same. Um, I just want to make sure that no one feels ashamed because of reproductive health. So, so I really want to share my story. Oh, yes. Well, we thank you so much, um, and I'm sure everyone listening thinks you too. Just it's so important um, to get these things out so that people can start talking about it. Um, but I'm excited to hear more. Should we just jump right in? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I guess I'll start at the very beginning. I got my period pretty early, I think. I was like 12 or so in middle school, and I was really excited to just like enter womanhood, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what does that even mean? <laughs> and it was pretty regular at first. I would get it like every month, and it would last for four days. Um, and that's when, I, so I got it at 12, and then um, I started getting a lot more active throughout middle school and high school, um, playing sports pretty intensely at, I did like volleyball, basketball, track. Like my mom really tried to make me just try every sport under the sun to see what mm-hmm. would stick. Um, so I was training for like 20 to 30 hours a week, um, like during and before and after school. And track was probably the most intense just because I'm from Texas and we'd be like outside in the hot sun for like oh hours. God. Yeah, it was it was a lot, but it was super fun. <laughs> kind of can't believe you weren't inside in a way. Like it's Texas. Yeah, it's we didn't crazy. have indoor <laughs> tracks, which is strange, but then we had it when I what? lived in Atlanta. But it's like a lot cooler there, so I was like, I don't, I don't get right. what's going on. But interesting. Yeah. I, oh my gosh. Yeah. During the summer, I remember people would like pass out whenever we would have like oh summer training. It was actually really bad. Oh, no. It'd be like a hundred degrees, but oh my we made it work. Hydrate. That's crazy. So obviously, you were quite the athlete yourself. <laughs> I mean, Miss Kira playing all these sports, and I think. This kind of ties a little bit to our last episode where we talked to Haley and Hannah about mm-hmm. the impact of training on menstrual cycles and red S, so your mm-hmm. energy levels. And I'm um, just curious, so, you know, I'm sure you're going to lead us into this, but how did this impact your menstrual health and your reproductive health in your period? Yeah. So, yeah, once I started training a lot more, I noticed that my period was becoming 
really irregular. I'd skip random months and I, I wasn't really sure what was going on. Um, but at that age, I like didn't really pay any mind to it just because, and I was actually kind of, this is bad to say, but a little happy about it because I wouldn't have to like deal with it for five <laughs> or four it. days a month. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm free. But <laughs> yeah, it would just became super irregular. Um, and then in high school, my sports got a lot more intense and I, I stuck to volleyball and started doing club volleyball on track, which added a lot of additional hours um, to my training schedule. And then that's whenever I started noticing that my period got super irregular. I would sometimes only get it like three to four times a year. Um, like mm-hmm. I, before this episode, I started looking through like all my period tracking apps and like mm-hmm. I, I would get it three times. Like this past year, it was like three times um, for like four wow. days each. So literally wow. just like 12 days during the year, which is not too good. And that's whenever I started getting a little bit more concerned in high school. But I never felt super comfortable talking about this, even to like medical providers. And often I found that like a lot of the time they would sort of just like brush over it and be like, oh, you're young, you're like playing these sports, like it'll even out whenever you're older, but that like hasn't really been the case. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just kept pretty quiet about it throughout my life and just sort of dealt right. with it on my own. Right. Um, I think well, something that like kind of came up in my mind when you mentioned before about how like when you were younger, you know, it was maybe slightly irregular, but you didn't really think too much about it. And Mm. I don't know, I'm just thinking back to like, when we were all in middle school, I feel like, and I wonder if this was the same case for you guys, like, I was really close to my friends, but we didn't like really talk about our periods that much. Like, I kind of remember it being a big deal when everybody got their first period. And it was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, like that was kind of like you maybe only told some of your closest friends, but you didn't, you know, it wasn't something that you just shared at the lunch table kind of thing. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I think being young and growing up, it's almost like, you know, your fellow, you know, female classmates don't even talk about this. So Mm -hmm. I imagine like being that age, also just like the social pressure of being in school and growing up and fitting in, like... That's mm-hmm. kind of, it must have been such a weird thing to even bring up because nobody talked about it. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, I feel like, at least for me, there was like a lot of shame during that mm-hmm. time. Just like, I don't know, it's a very awkward time in your life. You're like growing, developing into yourself, like your body's changing. Mm-hmm. So it was just like something that I never felt super comfortable talking about. Oh, Kira. I feel like that's also <laughs> hard too when you're going to the doctor and they like breeze over it then you're thinking like oh maybe it's maybe it's just in my head like maybe it's not a big deal when it's like year upon year it's a concern and it's like oh let's like whatever you'll grow out of that like that's not really what's I'm happening i'm kind of shocked yeah. your doctor said that that's yeah. like i mean our medical system has a lot of issues but like that is not okay to say to like you know a 14 year old girl person too right yeah. you're just you're not sure of yourself in so many other realms that it's like one of those things that you're bringing up like how hard do you have to push to be like i have a real concern can we address it like, right mm-hmm. can we look into it can we at 13 14 years old like what are you gonna do totally oh, that's hard totally. um i'm curious then kira how did you kind of like go about addressing this whether that was socially or medically i'm interested yeah. So since my doctor was not super helpful, I had to sort of just turn to like Google and WebMD and like mm-hmm. just try to figure it out on my own. But nothing really gave a clear answer. It would all just be like, oh, like it, I don't know. If, I I think it was 
I wouldn't put all the blame on my doctor because this is also what I was finding online. Like they would just sort of attribute it to like a highly active lifestyle and didn't really provide any sort of clear solution besides like reducing the number of hours that you work out. But that wasn't really possible. Like there, there needs to be at least some other like way to address it. Um, and I remember getting my physical one year and asking like my doctor if there's like an issue or if there's anything I can do. And once again, she would tell me all the time that it's just because like I'm young and I play sports um, that I would just even out when I was when I would get older. But as as I've said, this hasn't really been the case. I still don't really know when my period's gonna happen. Like it just happens randomly, like without any sort of like actual cadence or like normal frequency. Right. Um, and yeah, in 2022, I got my period like three times for a total of nine days. Um, wow. But it's it's gotten a bit better this year. Um, wow. And I, just through my like googling and research, I never got like a super. I never got a formal diagnosis from like a medical provider, but based mm-hmm. on these symptoms, I think I have a condition called like amenorrhea, which is the absence of menstruation, um, which is just like missing one or more menstrual periods. Um, and from doing like a bit of research, there's like two kinds, like primary and secondary. Um, and primary is more so if you like haven't gotten your first period, and secondary is, is if you missed it for like three or four months. So I fall more in line with the secondary amenorrhea. Um, and something I learned is that it's a lot more common than most people think. Like one in four women, um, or people who have been assigned female at birth who aren't pregnant, um, experience like menorrhea at some point in their lives. Um, and just anecdotally, from my discussion with people since starting Lotus, this statistic has really proven to be true. Um, from doing like talking to different, um, doing like customer insight interviews and things like that, like so many people have like super irregular periods, but no one really talks about it at all. Um, so yeah, just from doing like these like anecdotal conversations with people from Lotus during like customer insight interviews, um, just talking to people, I've learned that amenorrhea is like a lot more common than most people think. And uh, I found a statistic online that about one in four women who, or people who have been assigned female at birth who aren't pregnant, experience amenorrhea at some point in their lives. Um, wow. And a lot of, yeah, it was, I was like 25% of people. so <laughs> many people. Holy mm-hmm. moly. Yeah, I never, yeah, just... Or at least before setting Lotus, I never really thought that there was anyone else that like, experienced it to this degree. So that was really, really shocking to learn. And yeah, there's a, a lot of different causes. There's no like one clear reason why this happens. People like one could be um, like birth control methods or like previous uterine surgeries or weight changes or exercise routines. So it's a really like widespread um, condition that right. affects a lot of people. Wow. It's interesting to learn that, like, something that I love about, like, talking to you guys and talking to other people is just how much I feel like I'm learning about so many different things that could be going on to the, like, women plus body. There's just, Mm -hmm. it's crazy that one in four experience this at some point. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, the body's not perfect, but, wow. It's wild. No, absolutely. And I think like just from a little bit of research that I've done and just from what I know, I think sometimes often and Kira, I'd be curious to hear your take on this, but I feel like sometimes missing your period is maybe slightly normalized in society or like Mm. wanting to miss your period. I don't know. I have friends that are like, oh, you know, people will be like, oh, how like can I just 
not take my birth control for my period week and just skip it like has anyone mm-hmm. ever done that like has anyone tried to like mess People around time, with them? Like, yeah think. like it it feels slightly normalized and obviously i think and it shouldn't be <laughs> totally but there's definitely ways. a difference between you know maybe someone like yourself kira that has more of like a medically driven missing period versus someone that's just like playing around with birth control hormones mm-hmm. and i mean i know not getting your period can have a ton of effects on your body and your fertility maybe 10 years from now or your you know your hormonal regulation going forward and even i think i remember this my doctor's telling me this but i know osteoporosis as well is a really big Mm -hmm. deal if you don't get your period because Mm -hmm. if you don't have regular amounts of estrogen it can affect your bone development So especially when you're young, too, it's like if you're living in this society where people are like, oh, yeah, like, I don't want my period. I'm going to the beach. Like, I'm going to go skip this week of birth control and not take it like whatever. It's 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 hard to know, like the effects of Mm -hmm. actually doing that, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, exactly. I, and I, I feel like at this age, since like m- most people aren't really looking to like have children in the near future, it's sort of just like, oh, like it doesn't really matter. Like I'm young, right. like just for fun. Like I just want to, I don't know, not have to deal with it because it, it is like not necessarily a burden, but it like takes time. Out it of is and... a burden. A period yeah. is a burden that <laughs> all is. women plus face on this earth and people, i.e. men, need to be a little more receptive of that. <laughs> It is actually crazy, like, the number of symptoms that you can also just have on your period. And it spans, like, multiple weeks. It's like, oh, the week Mm -hmm. before, like, your, like, boobs are kind of tender. Like, maybe you have some, like, back pain. And then you get your period, and that's, like, a whole other thing. And then you have, like, cramping that comes with that. And then, like, acne could come up. It's, like, two whole weeks. And then it's, like, you get two weeks off, and then it comes back. Literally. (laughs) Like, what is this? ridiculous. But, Yeah. I don't know, impacts kind your entire crazy. life. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I was um, I was talking to I was talking to this doctor the other day. I was shadowing and she's a fellow and I uh, we were talking about how like one of the nurses on the floor was leaving for maternity leave. And I remember she like made this comment about how if men became pregnant then the whole like system of maternity leave would be completely or paternity leave would be structured completely differently mm-hmm. like if men were the ones that got periods and were cramping for half the month and were sometimes super hormonal and whatever and you know also got pregnant at some point in their life perhaps the whole like i don't know the whole working system would be completely changed like I don't know. I don't know if this is totally relevant, but that just made me think about that. No, I think about that all the time, too. And I also think about that, and this is maybe straying away a little bit too far, but I'm just thinking, like, for future talks, too. Um, In terms of abortion as well, it just makes me think, like, if the world were the other way and men were the ones that were pregnant, like, they would want pro-choice. But I don't know. I don't know. A hundred thousand percent. No, yeah, we can and get into that later. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think, I don't know, I think all of this kind of circles back to what we're talking about here, which is not getting your period and, you know, what happens with that and what kind of a menstrual cycle is and what it means to not get one. And mm-hmm. 
I just, you know, I, I feel for you, Kira, just in that, like, I mean, all of us have our own stories, but I think, I don't know, I think that must have been just such a difficult thing to deal with growing up in a place that doesn't necessarily, like, welcome conversation about those things especially because getting your period is supposed to be such a normal thing you Mm -hmm. know like Mm -hmm. that is supposed to be like a very normal part of maturing as a woman and all of that but if you don't have that then it sucks (laughs) i feel like it's it's hard enough as it is like and then throwing in kind of this unexpected turn that must have been hard Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking now too just like the impacts it probably had on you mentally and just like I'm not sure if you ever felt kind of like isolated or like you weren't sure who to talk to, but I just feel like there's so many women plus out there that have probably felt similarly at that age Mm -hmm. and currently. And feel free to not answer this question, but maybe this could be a question that we add. But I am curious, Kira, and again, if you're not comfortable answering this, no pressure, but have you thought about like bringing this up to your primary care doctor, maybe OBGYN, someone else, endocrinologist, and trying to see, like, maybe some possible, I don't know if it's the right word, but solutions, if mm-hmm. any, do exist. I'm curious, like, if you felt or maybe have gone down that avenue at all mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, I haven't spoken about it recently. I think the last time I did, like, the answer I always get is just birth control. But for me, I I don't necessarily know if I want to go down that route just because of all the side effects that I could get. But luckily, it has gotten better this year. Like, it's not not three to four times a year like the previous year, but now it's a lot more regular. Still irregular, but I don't don't ever know when I'm going to get it. Like, I had it this past week, and I was like, whoa, I did not... I don't know that to ready. <laughs> yeah, what was this surprise? Yeah. But I think I probably should, honestly. <laughs> but but I have not recently. I think maybe this year, just because also I started before. I didn't really think too much about it, mm-hmm. or like think think about it in the fact that I need to like come up with some sort of like clear solution to address it. But I think now starting Lotus and like talking about reproductive health a lot more. It's like. I'm like, okay, I probably should do something about this and, like, come up with a, an actual solution. Um, Might be so worth maybe... a conversation. Yeah. And I'm sure as we continue to grow our Lotus community, I'm sure there are people dealing with maybe similar things that have, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe their own little personal anecdotes and tips and tricks. And mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure that your message resonates with so many people. Totally. Yeah. Well... That's it, guys. (laughs) So that's my story. And I know just based on that statistic and also from these anecdotal conversations that I'm not the only one going through this. So I really hope that by sharing my story, it can inspire others to be more comfortable with their reproductive health experiences. Um, And we just all deserve to live healthy lives and shouldn't feel stigmatized because of our bodies. Everyone's beautiful and deserving of love. And since, since starting Lotus, I've become exponentially more confident just in discussing my, my mental health and that's just not only impacted like my physical health but also my mental health as well um so the power of conversation is very real guys um we should totally. all work towards a future where this is the case for everyone oh kira that was so wonderfully said thank you so much for sharing your story and 
being vulnerable and as we build this community i think that is more like honestly some of the most important work we can do is show our vulnerable sides mm-hmm. and what we have gone through and um, like you said the power of conversation is so real so i really do hope that this helps someone as you said thank you so so much for sharing thank you kira thank you um and as of course as we wrap up we want to always plug our instagram at lotus.health.app and subscribe to our podcast on spotify or apple Podcasts to be notified when our next one is released thank you all for listening Uh, we'll see you next time